Accountants Are Sexy is back for another season and this season we'll see our 100th episode. I want to take a moment to thank everyone that's helped so far. Every like, listen, subscribe, watch, all of it means the world to me. This season is sponsored by Charterpath. Charterpath is a charity designed to help the financial skills gap within non-profits. I've recently joined their advisory board to help them on their mission to increase volunteering within the financial sector from only 10% to a very healthy 50%. If you want any more information on how you can be a part of this mission, then drop me a message or leave a comment or visit their website, charterpath.org. Now, are we ready to meet the guests? That's good. <laughs> um, welcome to another episode of Accountants of Sexy Changed My Mind. Today, um, we've got the lovely Heather Townsend with us now. I'm oh, 99.9% sure that everybody in this group will know who Heather is already. Um, but we do have listeners to the podcast, but this will go out on all the podcast streaming channels that don't know you, Heather. So would you mind... Just giving us a quick introduction about uh, who you Absolutely. are. Absolutely. So do. I am the author of the Accountants Millionaires Club, the founder of the Accountants Growth Club. As well as that, I'm the author of five or six other books. Don't ask me to count them. I'm not an accountant, uh, including the Financial Times Guide to Business <laughs> Networking, the go-to expert, <laughs> how to make partners still have a life and poise for partnership. So most of my work centers on the theme of growth, whether that's Tiny, small accountancy firms up to about two million in size, maximum two decision makers, partners or people in the regional mid tier firms all over the globe, helping them understand what they need to do to get to partner. And then when they are a new partner to establish themselves. So we've literally got two live inquiries, one with a firm in Australia, one with a firm in Vancouver uh, to help them with that kind of work. So. Um, yeah, I'm going to be sharing all my secrets of how do I get this real global reach? How do we help our clients do this when they don't have enough time to run their firm in the first place? Yeah. It's a common challenge. I mean, it's a common challenge for every business owner, let alone from the accounting side. They seem to have their hands in everything. Um, so for those of you who don't know me, I've I've been in the accounting space for the past two years, like in it. Um, and I've just dabbled with it before that, having customers along the way. Heather is so much more experienced in this area, but we have obviously we have our different strengths. What we're going to be talking about today is putting your marketing on autopilot. And when Heather first said this to me, my brain just went autopilot, automation, lead magnets. Yes, we've got to do this. We've got to drive ads to it. My that's where my brain went. Heather comes from a very different perspective, and I'm really quite intrigued about the conversation because it was far more people-centered and um, uh, talking about the practices and the systems within the business, not just the techie stuff. Um, so it's going to be an interesting one. Today, yeah, definitely. Heather, isn't yeah. It? And I think I wanted to pick up that theme because <laughs> I think let's position this the why. If you if you think about most accountancy owners when they start up their practice they go oh, I've got to get my name out there so they go mm. networking you know either the BNI or yeah. other brand type networking yeah. groups or they invest heavily in social media yeah. and they network online which is great and don't get me wrong I'm not yeah. saying that's the wrong way to do things but those are really time intensive you do it yourself particularly if it's not your thing um, and it gets to a certain point mm. in the growth of your practice where 
you need to release yourself because you can't yet afford your team. So you've got to reduce some of the stuff you're doing that's not generating work per se, that's actually being, being built mm. for. And, and this is why people then turn to the, well, how do I keep my marketing happening if I can't personally drive it? And I do think there's this, this almost this wish that the, there's a silver bullet that if you hand it over to someone, they'll set up all these wheezy, bangy automations and bing, leads will appear. Mm. And, and I think through this conversation, hopefully we're going to demonstrate mm. that that is often just wishful thinking. And through this conversation, we're going to go through a very gradual process. What can you do? How can you do it? Outsource it. Um, how can you, um, you know, a level of automation, but outsource it. How can you get your people to do stuff in your team? But also, how can you gradually withdraw from doing all that business development? But it still happens. Yeah, it's um, what I've, I've dealt with multi partner firms before. Um, normally, it's just um, the yeah, owner managed single owner. And it's a different conversation. But with the multi um, multi partner, multi partner firms, I feel like they're so busy running the top end of their business that they lose a little mm. bit of the visibility that's below. And once again, I'm not as experienced with you at, at, with dealing with that. Um, but all the stories get missed and all the juicy stuff. And it seems to be a different conversation for me. And this is just the content side. When I'm talking about content with the person who's doing the do, they've got all the stories. But when I'm dealing with the partners of the firm, they don't have the stories. They don't know what's happening. Um, is that something that but you I come think... across or do you have a different experience? I don't I don't tend to see that. Um but the, the issue that we have mm -hmm. is that most accountants don't believe they're good at marketing. Whether that's rightly or wrongly, there's often this belief that I'm not good at this marketing stuff. I'm not good at this sales stuff. So what we see is a lot of snake, mm -hmm. snake oil salespeople selling in stuff. Or we see, well, I'll have to go. I'll have to go through everything because I can't afford to cut down part of the marketplace. And. When you are starting that journey to release yourself from that sort of doing all of the, the business development, that's the first choice you've got to make is actually how do I get more efficient at what I'm doing so it doesn't spend as much time? That's without going into an outsourcing. I mean, if someone goes went and talked to you and said, Kelly, give me some of your done-for-you done services, uh, there's no euphemism uh, in that mm. conversation. Uh, <laughs> the first thing you'd say is who are you targeting? And if they went, or just small businesses you go no who are you targeting and that's yeah, yeah. and you know what if you're doing that you're not going to appeal to anyone and it, you, you're absolutely right the stories are where the juiciness is the narrative because we talk about this nebulous thing called brand and I'm still not really understanding what a brand is because I've always come from the business development side of marketing mm -hmm. which give me qualified leads that I can convert not this airy fairy I have a 30 million pound business and I have a brand to protect and and it starts by really thinking about right mm -hmm. who do I want as my ideal client and it, and it kind of goes yeah these people are big but I don't want these people and you you, you a lot of people naturally go, oh, well, I've got to be sector-based. And you and I are very sector-based now, but actually you don't need to be sector-based. Um, you can go for small businesses, but you've got to be a lot more detailed about those small businesses. Are they local? How is the business structured? Where are they in their lifestyle, you know, life cycle? 
um, you know, what challenges maybe they face, but you've got to really look into them. You can't just go, well, I just want small businesses that are under half a million. Well, normally they go, oh, I just want the small local businesses that are between naught and three and, and 30 million. You're like, uh, no, I don't think you really want that level. You're not set up for that. So there are a number of housekeeping tasks that you've really got to start with before you do that. And that's that, you know, we can call it the the client persona. We can talk about the idle client, but is that, it is that pen portrait, isn't it? It is that, yeah. what are those stories? What are the emotions you know, if they if they've got a villain, who are they? Who is that villain? What is they stopping them doing? And how can they help the hero one on the journey? Yeah, I think you just hit on about <laughs> three books. Go to expert with the mind, of course. <laughs> but it is, it's absolutely, <laughs> but it's absolutely true, though. I think. Um, if you remove yourself from being the hero, and this is brand story that, that we're talking about, remove yourself from being the hero and actually put yeah. your client as the hero and you're the guide. How are you going to help them win? Because it's not about you. And that's that's the difference with marketing. And that's why marketing can be so scary because people think, I need to be brilliant. I need to be this. I need to be that. And actually, you need to be showing how you help other people. That's what sells. Yeah. That, that's so the, marketing. The next thing is in this sort of journey to, along this automation is to kind of go, right, if I'm only going to spend three hours a week on marketing, where should I spend those three hours for the biggest return? We're not even outsourcing yeah. yet. You know, there's this exactly. wonderful phrase that, you know, you know, mm. what is it? Half of my marketing doesn't work. I just don't know which half types that. Oh, yeah. And, and, and it's, the, yeah, that's it's the whole get your tactical marketing plan. Focus on what you're going to do. Measure on those activities. What is delivering? If it's delivering, do more of it. If it's not delivering, either you've got to do more of it or you've got to cut it. Which is it? You know, sometimes you're not there enough or consistent enough or targeted enough. So the next thing is you then have a set of activities that if you know that you follow will bring in the right amount of leads. And for the most people on this call, they've not got there. They've not got there. So you then... So they don't they don't like systemizing because it they think that they need to be doing the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. So you can't systemize the next thing. You can only systemize what you're doing already or what you should be doing. But they they not they some people jump mm. on the next gravy chain um, and they, they just find it really difficult to to get into a process and a habit and a routine of marketing. And that's the boring. Bit, and and you know the what? This is where the magic is. There's two secret sources. You know, mm. let's get into some marketing hyperbole here, secret sources that we're going to reveal. One of them is <laughs> be super targeted. The second mm. is uh, be consistent with your marketing. You know, it, yeah. it's not everybody thinks, oh, it's got to be the latest thing. You know what? Showing up, consistent message, focused on the right people. Sounds like you've got visitors. Uh <laughs> yeah. He's not normally this vocal. What are you doing, Mojo? <laughs> I'm going to try and ignore him. <laughs> yes, is that the cat? <laughs> yeah, my, 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 that's my Mojo. He sometimes gets lost. Occasionally, <laughs> he catches mice. Yes. <laughs> it is. It, it, when we talk about getting in marketing on autopilot, you've got to get to this stage. What really works? And let's just do that. But then there comes a point where you don't even have time to do that. 
And actually, often that gets to the point where your client portfolio has now got it to a significant size. And this is when I'd say in your journey, mm. it's not necessarily about putting 80% of your effort into the external marketplace. It's about putting 80% of your marketing effort into your existing clients. And this is where often putting your marketing yeah. on autopilot becomes really, really effective. Now, there's no tech needed for this. There's no investment in Zapier needed for this, unless, of course, you want to. And that's that's your own provisor. But it's 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 as you say, it's you'd systemize your year end process to get consistency and quality control with your people. It's the same with this. There are so many touch points that if you get that right with your existing clients will lead to more business. So here's a really simple one. Training your team at the end of a phone call with a client to say, is there anything else we can help you with? This is, as you can say, it's not hard, not is it? You know, it's not as if, but it's about just getting mm -hmm. a common standard when the team is on the phone to a client and you've helped them. And before you say goodbye, is there anything else we can help you with? And you know what? Just getting your team to do mm -hmm. that will bring in ad hoc work without you having to try hard. Then the next thing is thinking about, and, and I see so many practices not doing this. So every single business here in the UK, if it's a limited company, has a fundamental point in the year called the year end. Now, that might be the calendar year end, that might be the financial mm -hmm. year end. But what it does is it brings a certain amount of behaviors and thinking pattern from the client. You know that, we know that. But how many of us do not capitalize on that window of opportunity to insert ourselves into our client's thoughts, help clarify those thoughts and be positioned as the person that can help them with that? We don't do that. And I'm not talking mm. about a here's your opportunity to upsell. You must upsell. I'm talking about here is your opportunity to be genuinely helpful to your client. So too many people wait until mm. after that financial year. end. That's too late. Absolutely too late. The sweet spot is between nine and 11 months into their financial year. Um, and also that's also the sweet spot around about September, October in the calendar year as well. You bring them in, whether you call it a pre-year end meeting, yeah. whether you call um, it a business review, whether you call it a complimentary business review, whether you call it a, let's have a chat mm. about your business, but you get them to talk. You get them to help clarify their plans for the future. You hear what they want and then you requote based on what they need. And their frustrations, and I think this is um, this is something else. You have to understand what what's gone wrong in in the relationship. What what they haven't yes. liked, what they haven't, or what didn't go as well as they imagined. So yeah. you can improve on that. Um, we're not just looking for feedback, so we can shout about it on Google, you know, or, or on, yeah. on social media channels or your Google reviews. We're actually looking for feedback, so we can go. What can we do better? Um, that's a conversation that's avoided if you leave it until afterwards. So here's that's the wonderful thing. thing. So that, that process in that pre-year-end point, if you train your team mm. to be able to run that process, okay, they're going to need a certain amount of commercial expertise, certain amount of commercial acumen. So if they've only just qualified and they're still 22, oh, bless, maybe they're not yet got the authority and gravitas to have that commercial conversation. But here is the reality. If your team can do that without you being there, they're going to win extra work. They're going to be able mm -hmm. to requote for the next year. They're going to be able to do the renewals. Oh, our marketing's suddenly on autopilot. How about that? And yeah. that wasn't hard, was it? But 
you might kind of look at it and you go, but my team's too junior. I've only got one apprentice and bless them. They're brilliant, but it's going to be a while before they're doing that. So you then have to go, well, if within your team, you can't do it, what can we outsource? And one of the easiest things Mm -hmm. to outsource is content. If you can give a good content Mm -hmm. brief. Now, one of the things we do with club members is every week they get a new white labeled article. They can tweak and whatever their heart's content. That's marketing on autopilot. But if you can get the content out there. So that means outsourcing, maybe to someone like yourself, maybe another provider of other names. But actually, mm-hmm. that starts to put your marketing on autopilot. You know, you might not be physically the one, yeah. you know, pressing the button, putting stuff down there. But you you give a brief. You hire somebody to do it for you. The stuff gets out there on your socials. It looks good. It's not bland. It's not boring. It's mm. not hoiked off a content library and just cut and pasted. Because you know what? That doesn't work as content. No. Oh. No. This is um, this is one of my bugbears. People just think that they can replicate. And it's the same information across the board. And it's going back to the original point where if you're doing that and you're not making it relevant to your audience, then you don't understand yeah. your audience well enough. You've not put enough time into actually what what is going to impact them. So um, I call it the the content, the hamster Mm. wheel of content. And they jump on and they just keep going and they just keep producing content. They've got no idea why, like no idea why, what it's for, who it's going to impact or what they want the reader to take away. They're just producing content. And it's so time Mm. consuming and so soul destroying. Um, that it, they, it puts people off marketing. This is why they think they're bad at marketing. And they're, they're not often doing too they're much. Just, they're just not thinking exactly. about Exactly, that goes back to those two fundamental yeah. principles. Know your audience, who you want, know their emotional triggers, and then yeah. work out what works. Be consistent. Without those two, you're never going to do it. So you, you, you've got to the point where you're outsourcing something. Mm. Okay, at that point, you still need to be doing some of the lead generation, but you can outsource some of it. Now there's an even better way to put this on autopilot, which doesn't require any marketing whatsoever. Doesn't really require much sales effort. Doesn't require you to look good. And that's be top of mind and visible with your current client base. Deliver them a great service. You know, hammer into your team that, you know, if the client has to chase us, we failed. If the client needs, if we haven't anticipated what they want, we failed. If you have that level of service, guess what? You'll be the one writing on the awards entry. We've never had to market. We've grown by referrals alone. Of course, you've marketed. You've just chosen to put your emphasis in different directions. But I know that one well. But here is the point. It's everyone in your team can deliver a great client service. And actually, when you are, mm. I have to say, referrals, I could be slightly wrong, but my gut feel is that if you're going towards the smaller end of the marketplace, the smaller, smaller businesses, this is where there's huge amounts of opportunity. Yeah, you might not get the sexiness. Remember, this is mm. accountants are sexy. You might not get the sexiness of going, well, I've just got <laughs> a client who's two million are going to pay me 15 grand a year. You know, big deal. But you know what? Those those sorts of clients don't come along that often. You know, we've got a member of our club that worked out in four months he'd won 100 clients. Average fee about a grand, but he'd won 100 okay. clients. And he's probably going to do that in the next four months. Yeah. And it's very simple. Yeah. And he, 
And when, when it's processed and it's just rolled out and they're clients that you deal with all of the time, actually the work isn't no, like crazy. No. So exactly. it's and, more and, he, and he says to me, he says, and I haven't done any marketing. What he's done for the last, I don't know how many years, is to deliver a consistently good service. They pop up with nice yeah. socials that build their credibility as well as building their credibility, they're also very personable. You know, the, the, the dog appears. Odin is, is the star. You know, it's, 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 not my, it's not a member. The dog is the star. Um, they feature some of the team members. <laughs> they, as they're, they're in a very rural location. Yeah. They're lucky that some of the other accountants, as they say, are imploding. Um, and they've been a pillar of the local community. Now, most people listening here have been a pillar of the local yeah. community, have delivered great client service, and, and and it doesn't take much. You know, it's a great way stay in stay top of mind. And and yes, this this client, you know, delivered a lot and gave away a lot of stuff for free in COVID. But there's this whole thing about oh, clients don't value free. No, clients do value free. What people are saying is when clients don't value free is when these clients have left that have been given loads of free stuff. They haven't left because of the free stuff. They've left because the basics weren't delivered. And a lot of, a lot of accountants during COVID well, it's didn't deliver on the basics well and were diverted yeah. by doing all these free cash flow plans yeah. and let's run this little seminar. The reality is if you deliver on the basics well yeah. time and time again and not just deliver on them well but really well, that's your marketing on autopilot. Yeah. yeah, I think you've got it spot on. And I, I typically look at um, external people. How can we attract more people mm. to you, you know, from, from that marketing perspective? But I have multiple conversations to say, well, actually, you're, oh, God, I was just about to use the <laughs> low-hanging fruit. <laughs> I hate that expression. But you're, the closest business to you is going to come from your own client base. What are you doing yeah. to look after them? Have you repriced them? Have you communicated with them? Have you got a, a communication plan in place so they know what to expect and when to expect it? If you're doing that, then we can move on and actually get people yeah. through the door to, to increase the business. But if you're not doing it, we're just going to keep filling it up and they're going to Absolutely. keep falling out the bottom. And it's not going to be... Um, they're not going to have any good, good and, client and this, stories. This then turns around to if you're not doing it, and you decided not to outsource it, then you need to get your team to do it. Now, for people that are listening here, if they go back to the early days of running their practice, what was their diary like? It was empty. They were getting out there. They had five days a week and a bit more to, you know, pound the pavements, press the flesh, any more cliches that I could put out there for hustling and bustling and all of this sort of stuff. <laughs> And they had time to build up that early cohort. They had time to work out what worked. They had time to realize, if you're like me, that uh, six o'clock bacon sarn is just doesn't work for me with a networking group. Uh, did, uh, but for other people, it not does. Anymore. And I'm not saying it's just my choice. Um, now, when you go to their team, yeah. They don't have a full diary. They already have a full day job. And so when you're going, hey, I want you to take on the business develop, they look at you going, no. And they've got an identity issue of they yeah. wake up in the morning and go, I know I'm going to spend three to four years getting AAT, ACCA or ACA or my CTA or this or that or whatever. For you to make me into a salesperson, that wasn't part of the deal. I meant to be a respected professional. So 
you you should have seen the faces on lawyers when I called them salespeople. They yeah, exactly. they hated me. It was exactly. like hating. And this is this is the whole point: <laughs> is that we've got an identity issue, we've got a time issue, and we've got a skills issue. Now, you know, I in my with my how to make partner hat on with I, I often help these people that are reluctant business developers that know they need to do it if they want to make partner to get into doing business development, but they still don't do it. Now, you have to think, well, we've got all these lovely, bright, keen, able people in small accountancy firms that have not got partnership dangled in front of them. They haven't got a real why for doing it, no incentive. Yeah. So if people that have the incentive don't get around to doing it, we've got to take this back a couple of steps. So I always say, if you want your people involved in it, start it easy. Little things like, as I said, get them when they answer the phone to answer it well, but at the end, say, is there anything else we can help them with? Um, take little touch points that you know will help lead to new business. So I'm not talking about getting them suddenly to go and be verbal diarrhea on LinkedIn, but what you can do is you can on a Monday morning um, discuss what LinkedIn posts people are going to write, put them into a safe place. Yes get everybody happy with them and say, right, let's get them posted this week. Um, it can be that, right, come sit down yeah. with me as we have this client meeting. It's really gentle, gradual steps where you break down the processes, you train them up on little bits, and you don't try and suddenly produce this magic rainmaker who was just a newly qualified six months ago. It is a really gradual, steady mm. process of helping change their identity that this is now part of their role. It is about putting finding time in their diary to do it because if you don't do that they'll fill it up with the day job it then also most importantly mm. is giving them the skill set and the training to be able to do this yeah and the confidence and the recognition afterwards as well the pats on the back the well yeah. dones i think um it's, it's not enough to say because i do this i have to do this with the with the clients that i work with you have to do it quite slowly, methodically. They have to feel comfortable with that change because some of the people that come to me have no idea about posting on social media whatsoever, content creation, anything to do with marketing whatsoever. So rather than just be, right, this is what you do, go do, you can't do that. You have to warm them up gently and then say, look, these are the results that we've had. You know, this is what the impact or impact you've had on the business. Um, and I, from what you're saying, that's the same yeah. with the team. You have yeah. to take so I, that. It's interesting. So there's a lot of myths out there that everybody believes that if they don't say yes, you failed. No, they were just not a good fit now. They might not be a good fit later, but they're not, just not a good fit now. Yeah. It, you've not failed. It's just that there's not a good fit. <laughs> um, you don't want everybody to be a good fit because that means you're going to take in some bad fits in that. And actually, sometimes it's good to kind of realize, mm, no, I think about one of our members that's had his number two, um, getting to learn to love LinkedIn. It's been a two year journey. Mm -hmm. There's a swear word inserted in there, but I, because it's your podcast, I'm on my best behavior. Oh. I've not put it in there. Two year journey. <laughs> but we're pirates. Heather. Yeah. You can swear all exactly. you like. Yeah. I haven't got a parrot <laughs> on my shoulder. I could get the guinea pig if I could chase it around the pen for a bit. You know, I'm looking after a guinea pig. <laughs> no, no, I've got two ducks out there somewhere. You know, I could go and find the ducks. The point is, it's taken us two years and we've had to remove the barriers. So some of that was mental. Um, <laughs> some of it is, is we've shown him how to use LinkedIn. 
I've shown him how to engage on LinkedIn. He doesn't write his LinkedIn posts. They've got a copy content writer to do that for him. He's now winning leads through LinkedIn by showing up, proactively connecting. But that's taken two years to get him to be able to generate his own leads. Yeah. This is not a quick fix. Yeah. It's quite, no, it's quite amazing how people think, oh, I'll post on LinkedIn. Everybody will see it and loads of people will buy my stuff. And it, it simply doesn't work that way. You have to build up, the, uh, you have to build up mm. the right audience, the right audience for the content that you're putting out. And people seem to think that if you build yeah. it, they will come. And I'm not in the mindset that that happens. You have to proactively go out and find them and then allow them and, to see and yeah, content. You know, that, that, that's also, let's just quickly go on to a little bit of what we would call proper automation. Like if you've got the stomach for it, yeah, of course, you've got to have a really well-defined idea of who you want. Now, if who you want is sector-based, forget pay-per-click on Google. You know, we've we've worked with experts on this. We've looked at the traffic. There is not enough to really justify it. It's a quick way to burn a lot of crisp 50-quid pound notes. And actually out there, there are very, very few uh, paid search experts that are good enough to do this. Uh, you know, they make the basic mistakes. If you're sector-based, then you can consider Facebook ads. However, this is not, you know, you, you it's very difficult to, to go, hey, book a consultation from a Facebook ad. From a Facebook ad, you've got to have a lead magnet. A lead magnet is something that somebody's going to sign up for yeah. for your email address. You then need to have a nurture sequence. What yeah. do I mean by a nurture sequence? I mean an email sequence that will gradually build trust. Because you've gone from, we don't know you at all, to, oh, no, you're filling my email with crap. Whoops, slightly swore there, but never mind, we'll move on. And mm. you've got to have a nurture sequence. <laughs> then you've got, there's a bit of techie mm. stuff. You really want to be lead scoring on your nurture sequence. So what do we mean by lead scoring? It's where your marketing automation uh, software is able to uh, – based on triggers and signals, help you identify who you should get in touch with. When they hit a certain lead score, there should be a, a trigger, and then there should be some personalized outreach via email to invite them to an uh, event or a webinar or for a one-to-one -one with you. That is how you put it on um, mm -hmm. marketing automation. I would suspect for 99.9% .9 of your viewers, you get far better results by going back to the basics, which is who is your ideal client and really get the story around that, really get the emotional connection around that. Then be consistent with what you're doing and measure what works. If I only had three hours per week to spend on it, what would I spend on it to work? Then, then really look at the internals, of marketing more to your existing clients. I'm not saying buy my stuff. I'm talking about really focusing on making sure that service is delivered every single interaction with clients. Then it is about which parts of those touch points can you train your team up to deliver that will help produce more work. And only then would I consider talking to somebody like yourself around, let's outsource some of this journey, some of this content. And then if you want to get into the whizzy, bangy it would be stuff, do so but that stuff isn't easy we do it in our own business but that's because we've got 13 years of a track record of doing that yeah I think there's um if they came to me and they had 
And I had this conversation with um, a brand specialist the other day. If they came to me and they understood their brand and they understood their story and, you know, their creation story and they understood their ideal clients and what they wanted to achieve, then marketing becomes so much better. But if you don't, if you don't know that, you have to go back to the beginning, which is why I touch on elements of what's happening in the business when I do my business reviews. Who's in the business? Do you have team meetings where you talk about marketing? So I want to understand that because if they don't, and if it's all in their head or just them and the keyboard, then yeah. it's not going to work. We need more. Um, we need more interaction than that from the team. Um, but I don't want to manage it. I don't want to manage it. I just want yeah. to help them manage it. And I think that's that's one of my values: independence. And if you go to a marketing specialist, any marketing specialist, and they say, yep, I can take that, and they run off, and they do it for you, and you have no visibility, that, that's a red yeah, flag Yeah, I agree with me. you. It comes back to that reporting element of it. You know, very early in this conversation, I talked about mm-hmm. measure. Ditch the stuff that's not working, or if it's because of your execution, revisit it. You might have to do a little bit more of it. Sometimes there is a critical mass element, you know, particularly with social if you are focused on a niche within social and you are building your community within that niche and you are putting out valuable content to that niche, which is a mixture of, you know, useful stuff and personality and get to know me as a human, you know, human first accountant second, four to six months later, the leads will start rolling in from social, but it takes that long. Anything earlier than that, you've done well. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, we are already on half an hour, Heather. So this has flown by. Um, before I ask the last question, are there any further points you wanted no, to make? No, I that? was looking at the time and making sure I didn't over go, go over it. <laughs> you are an absolute pro. So uh, the last question, Heather, is um, what is it that makes accountants sexy? What is it that makes accountants sexy? Well, it... Considering I'm never there on the after parties or the pre-parties of conference, I can't. I really can't talk about their dance moves or anything like that. But you know what? This is. I always love it. For me, I always love it when I see outsiders to the industry, business coaches, whatever, doing a very academic look at the accountancy sector, and they go, "Oh, it's ripe for change! All this technology coming in, and most of these accountants behind the time, and they're really boring, and we can make." You know what? I know that they will not stand the test of time, that they're going to exit within 18 months and go, no, we'll try somewhere else. For me, what makes accountants great is the ones I work with are looking to do a great job with their clients. They are forward thinking. They are embracing the technology. Or if they've not, they want to do so pretty quickly. Um, and they want to do a great job for their clients. And for me, that's what makes them sexy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the the technology thing, we're coming to this point. And obviously, I've been I've seen the journey over the past 10 years or so. But we're coming to the point where technology isn't going to change as much as it has. It's not going to cause as much disruption as it has. There's going to be tweaks and innovation and improvements and new softwares. Of course, there is. But it was a it was a huge change for them to overcome and adapt and um change the processes in the way that they work. I think the next thing that they're going to be looking at, and I heard a talk on this at Accountex, 
um, and it kind of mirrors the thinking is the human side. It's the people side. Um, and I think that's, that's going to be the next focus is the people. Um, so yes. Yeah. Technologies, technologies not going no. anywhere anymore. Not at all. Right. So thank you very much for joining me. Um, I will link to um, the Accountants Growth Club because it's not the Millionaires Club uh, we, anymore. We it's the Accountants Growth Club. I'll link members, to the website we, and I will link just, to your LinkedIn You, know, you don't have to be Is wanting to get place? to a million pounds, but you do have to be wanting to grow. Oh, well, I can't hear you right now, Heather, so you've gone frozen on me, so I'm going to assume that's going to be okay. Um, I'm back, be back, but you're frozen. <laughs> well, you were frozen. <laughs> so I was just saying, Heather, I'm going to link to the Accountants Growth Club. I'm going to link to your LinkedIn. Yeah, that's profile, fine. If that's link okay. Away. So if anybody wants, super. So if anyone wants to come and find out more about Heather, what she does, who she works with, and how she helps, please go check her out. Um, thank you very much. You've been. been thank you for having me, guest. and please get in touch. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. We've got a ton more guests already lined up and I can't wait to share that with you. Please also remember to check out our sponsor, Charterpath. They're bridging the gap between financial skills and the nonprofit sector. And if you're looking at growing your practice and wondering what is the next step for you or how to do that, maybe you want to check out Accounting Pirates as well. We've got a treasure chest of support there that might be able to help you get to your next level.